Fuck scouts. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 98, show you love to 3 R. It's Radiothon time. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Mr. Ross McQueen. What up? And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. 93881027. The if number you, to call to subscribe if you're to in Melbourne. Melbourne. Zero three nine three double eight one zero two seven. If you're elsewhere, and plus six one three nine three double eight one zero two seven. Anywhere else in the world? What if you're uh, on the internet? Can you can you subscribe on the internet? Yes, through rrr.org.au. That's three r's or triple r.org.au. Excellent. Three triple r really do a lot for us, and we do almost nothing back for them. <laughs> so th- this is the time, and, and we ask you for nothing uh, to. to listen to this podcast we do it out of the goodness of our hearts and triple r give us the studio out of the goodness of their hearts so if you want to chuck them some cash everyone will be very happy about that all of that having been said strap yourselves in i think we're in for an interesting show it is going to be a wild and crazy ride we've got katrina mathers from the wedge might know sandra sultry sandra sultry which hits screens Around the country again last night for uh, the new season. Last night being Sunday night. Is she coming in as Sandra Sultry or as Katrina? I hope she comes in as Katrina because it, it would be a little bit weird for me. I think it's, I I think it's I as Katrina but wearing Sandra Sultry's G-string. <laughs> right now I have no questions for her at all. <laughs> I've no idea. We've also got the much-anticipated... Get discussion. Golden Age of Television. Now, I was talking to the envelope <laughs> earlier, and he's yes. not happy. The, the envelope's not happy. The envelope's not happy. Really? Yes. We'll, we'll talk about why the envelope's not happy when we get up to Golden Age of Television. We've got a small, I don't buy it, some quotes, a short review of the new show Mad Men, which yep. uh, starts on movie one at some stage. Yes, and yeah, starts on this show at about the two-hour mark. Yes. <laughs> It's really, it's, it's going to be a long one. So long, I forgot to start timing it. Going to finish it all off with pork, but start everything, as we always do. Kick it off, if you will, with the Box Cutters News. And up first, with the news, some very important news that we've covered on the boxcutters.net site. And, and, and it's such important news, we're, we're all going to go over it. It's no one person's news item. But, but Ross, you have the honours of, of saying, you know, at least the headline. Congratulations to Ice TV for winning their uh, long-running court case with Channel 9 during the week. Very, uh, very good news in uh, what has been described as a David and Goliath struggle. Good to see. They were David. They were David. Right. Yes. Uh, Good to see that uh, the little guy, or in this case, the little company, wins against the big behemoth. I know. I I actually, I I was a little bit worried about it. I thought maybe because Channel Nine has the money to to put behind it that uh, that they would win out. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad to see that justice actually did win out. Uh, And and common sense. Yes. Let's not forget common sense. It it was it was it, it was as frivolous a lawsuit as. Not maybe not quite as frivolous as suing for a ruined pair of pants, but very very close. 
and uh, and it was also good to see uh, all the support come onto the the boxcutters.net site. Yes, mm. uh, I think you know we've had, we've had uh, Mark Edwards from Ice TV on this show, and so it's obviously it's obvious where our loyalties lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, uh, a, a good product is a good product, and, and more competition in this area would would also be great. But but now we should point out at this point too that none of us actually have Ice TV subscriptions. We we're just fond of good te- good television. That's that's why we're interested. Well, I, have, I have to say, I have to say that Mark Edwards gave me a, a login for it. Ah, okay. But I have I have no way to use it. Right, as, as a regular. Thing. <laughs> so so he gave me a login so I could go in and have a look at the site and see see how it runs. And but, you, you didn't hand that on to your masters at Foxtel. Uh, n- n- <laughs> no, no, they they uh, sometimes have no control over me. Really? Yeah, I don't believe it. And just with uh, some of the details of it, uh, I think the ICE TV lawyers uh, announced that they would be kind of taking counteraction against Channel 9 given this result. Um, and the judgment uh, decided that the company, ICE TV, does not reproduce a substantial part of Nine's weekly schedule. So they actually have people uh, inputting the data about uh, the, with the show descriptions and stuff. Um, so Nine couldn't, couldn't actually show that they were ripping off uh, substantial copyright. And and hopefully this uh, encourages people who were thinking of starting their own service uh, as a business to, to enter into that market as well. Yep, yep. And Mark has often said on the Box Cutters website and on his show, you know, he wants there to be three or four versions of Ask TV around. He wants, you know, an open market with, with lots of different companies all doing the same thing. So, so that would be great if this court case can mean that in, in the future as well. Mm. On to... Channel 7 News. Or Channel 9 News. Yes, well, which, which camp does this fit into? <laughs> uh, Jeff Brown, the uh, chief at uh, the 9 Network, has... Now, Jeff Brown, for those who don't know or who uh, are unfamiliar with the Who Killed Channel 9 book... He's a lawyer. Allegedly. He has no television experience prior to <laughs> being installed as uh, the, the head of the 9 Network. He, I thought you were going to say he has no talent. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he was brought over from the AFL, I believe, by Eddie Maguire. Very good mates with Eddie Maguire, and was famously quoted as saying when he started his job, uh, he started his job, it's just a bucket of contracts. Mm-hmm. That's how he described Channel Nine. It's yeah. just a bucket of contracts. Which uh, I I think uh, I think Kerry Packer actually had into his grave installed a self turning device <laughs> <Right>. every time <laughs> something like that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's Nine Mr. Network, Brown done? No network head Jeff Brown has offered uh, the news chief position to the 31-year-old executive producer of Sunrise, Adam Boland. Wonder Kid. The One, Wonder Kid. The Wonder Kid. The, the man who came up with the idea to call Koshy and Mel Koshy and Mel. And to call it Brekkie Central. Yes. Live. That was also his idea. Yeah. They were, <laughs> were going to call it Breakfast to the Left. <laughs> and he went, he no. went, no, 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 no. A lot of people won't be able to see it. People with only uh, four by three screens won't be able to see it if it's all the way to the left. Let's centre it. Uh, Jeff Brown has told Boland that uh, he has the mandate of the PBL board uh, to offer him the job to revolutionise the way Nine does news and to smash the Nine news culture, uh, which is said to be expensive, outdated and full of deadwood. 
Hello to James, if you're listening. Not, not, <laughs> not Deadwood. De- Deadwood. Deadwood. That's better. <laughs> full, full of David Milch drama. Uh, Brown's grand ideas included uh, shifting the 6pm news bulletin to a different time slot and also developing a nightly news and entertainment show starring best friend Eddie Maguire. Uh, which is the, kind of the second time that we've heard of that type of idea. Last week we were talking about the same thing with uh, Ray Martin. Yep. Yep, but they're paying $85 million a year. They've got to find something. I, I, I thought it was something. only four. I, uh, okay. Now, I... Uh, no, it is five according, it's, to, it's five according to that. Uh, now, I, I, I heard an updated report on this, Brett, uh, which wasn't with that reputable a journal of uh, truth, shall we say. Uh, but the report I read said that all of this had actually come from Channel 7. Uh, it is true that Adam Boland's contract is coming up soon and he is a bit disappointed that he hasn't been given more options to work with the Channel 7 news that he'd like. Uh, but apparently this story said that Channel 7 were putting out this story to try and make it seem like the same old problems were occurring at 9 uh, and apparently it's not true. Well, apparently there were a series of secret meetings last month, uh, but of course now they're not so secret. And the uh, fallout from that is that Gary Linnell, who actually holds the position of news chief over at uh, Channel 9 now, is in a position where uh, he's basically left looking like he doesn't have a job. Um, and so may be kind of going down the path of uh, Llewellyn. You see, it, it, it's Dan Mark, Llewellyn. Mark Llewellyn. Mark, Mark Llewellyn. Uh, it, it sounds to be paid out of his contract to it, the tune of about a million bucks. It sounds like it could be straight, the, like the next chapter of Who Killed Channel Nine. Yeah, like it. Oh, it just uh, keeps on going on, and that's really yeah, as I'm as as because uh, I'm, I'm nearing the end of Who Killed Channel Nine, even though we re- reviewed it earlier on. Um, so it's, you've it's just it, continuing on. <laughs> You've taped Who Killed Channel 9 and yes, you're yeah, just watching it. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah it, does, it does keep going on and on, but I'm, I'm not so sure. I also read another report that said Adam Boland apparently said that he will go overseas if Channel 7 don't give him the kind of contract he's interested in. You, you know what? I don't think Adam Boland could really be without a job anywhere in the television world uh, at this stage. If his contract doesn't get renewed or if he, if he doesn't get the deal he wants with 7. Really? It, it's... It, the man, I, the man made magic happen. He he did, but then what? What are the chances of it happening again? I mean, he can't reinvent. As, he can't reinvent today as sunrise. Oh, on, it, moving moving the news from six o'clock on Channel Nine. We'll, we'll have to ask James next time he's on. But I don't think that will ever happen. I don't think he could do it for Channel Nine. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think he could do it again in the mm-hmm. Australian environment. Oh, I sorry. Think, I thought, you, I thought no. you were saying he could always work here. No, I think he can work pretty much anywhere else in the world. They can mm-hmm. take what he's done here, take the, the, the mere concept that he is an ideas man with a proven track record, mm-hmm. which so few people in the industry have. I think he could write his own overseas check, really. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised. So <laughs> Channel 7 would be fools to lose him. True, Channel but, Seven would be fools to lose him. I, I think that he no, could. No, no, no. Again, I think he could what's come he up with do new for ideas. Channel Seven. You think he can come up with new ideas for, for Channel Seven if, if he moves over to Channel Nine? Channel Nine has has but, but seems why, to have the better personnel as far as uh, news and current affairs goes. Why, you know why what, would Seven be? Why would Seven be foolish to lose him? Because what, what new thing can he do for Channel Seven? He doesn't have to do anything new for, for Channel Seven. All he has to do is maintain the excellent status quo he's he's built. Uh, I think Channel 7, knowing how the industry works, 
should be able to see patterns that when somebody else takes over a job like this, things go to shit. Mm-hmm. And somebody's got to be around to be able to pick out who the new host of Weekend Sunrise is with uh, Andrew Keefe going to do his Tonight Show. Okay, okay. Assuming he gets it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I say, no deal, O'Keefe. <laughs> so I, I think I think all that's all that's very interesting. I think, but the only person who's going to win from all of this is is Adam Boland. I, I don't yeah. think that anyone else is going to do any good. Well done, Adam. In casting news, apparently uh, Veronica Mars, Kristen Bell looks set to pop up in Lost. Oh, really? Which is uh, which is great because a teenage detective is exactly what they need to get them off that island. Yeah. Well, she's she with the FBI now. So oh, she is with the... Yeah. They'll be sending her in. Yeah, so she'll be able yep. to uh, sleuth her way off. Uh, apparently in Doctor Who rumours as well, Ben Kingsley is rumoured to be playing Davros now, in is the that, next series. That sounds like... Because that is such perfect casting. It sounds like <laughs> the sort of thing that somebody would just invent on a fan site and then and then it would just build and build and build. There has been a lot of that around. Uh, Irish actor James Nesbitt was touted as the next Doctor and that right. was very quickly denied. And Dennis Hopper was apparently going to be in the season finale of next year, but that was very quickly quashed as well. Uh, but this, uh, to my knowledge, this being Kingsley rumour hasn't been. Right. Well, that, mm. that would be huge news because the man is probably the, the only human alive who looks most like Davros. <laughs> it, would be, it would be great to see Davros come back. Oh, yes. Yes, he's, he's a great character. Somebody was asking me uh, just last night, actually, if you guys don't know, maybe one of our listeners will know. I'm sure there'll be a few out there who would. Uh, what happened to the Master? The Master uh, died. He did die? Yeah, the master, the the character, yeah, uh, died because the 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 doctors, the the time lords, yeah, uh, ha- are limited to twelve regenerations. Right, one for each heart they have. Yes, you'll be surprised how much I know about this. <laughs> and the master had reached his twelfth regeneration. Ah, uh, had he? And was then killed. Oh. and has not appeared since. Ah, uh, okay. Now, also, one of the actors who played the master uh, died at around that time. Uh, and maybe that was in homage to him. I don't know, but how, how, there was only uh, I only remember one master, the guy with the big beard. Oh no, no, no. there were there were quite a few. There were a few masters. Quite a few masters. Uh, okay. All of them had beards, right? Because <laughs> having a beard, in case the two of you didn't know, makes you evil. Ah, I, I did know that. Beards make you evil if you just have a little triangle, just the little triangle just below the bottom lip. Super evil. Ah, oh, like Evil Bender. Like Evil Bender. And Evil and, Shannon Noll. And Evil Shannon Noll. <laughs> and Evil uh, Tony in the first series of 24. Yes. When he was evil. Triangle. Yeah. When he was good. No triangle. No that triangle. Tony Soprano? <laughs> no. Uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Montaigne. Joe Montaigne casting news. Mm-hmm. Last week, or uh, kind of early on last week, there were rumours around the traps that Harvey Keitel was going to take over the role of uh, Mandy Patinkin's character in Criminal Minds. Mm, yep. And then we heard nothing more about that. <laughs> Suddenly, Joe Montaigne signed ah. to be the new Mandy Patinkin. Right. I think Harvey Keitel maybe realised that uh, that Mandy Patinkin can see a sinking ship. Uh <laughs> knows a sinking ship when he sees one and uh, and didn't want a bar of it. Or maybe the whole thing was just made up. Maybe. You were so shocked you hit your microphone. <laughs> I, I whacked it out of there. I can't believe it. Brett. Uh, Bert Newton's What a Year 
has uh, been cut from Channel 9. Really? Really? Uh, it'll, they, be, they it'll be replaced this week by a British program about life in the Windsor Castle. You're kidding. After one week. After one week. But they, uh, they still haven't done 70 BC, the destruction of the first temple. It uh, <laughs> scored just 548,000 viewers uh, last really? Monday night. Um, and uh, won't be coming back. Hang on. And this is, less, uh, less than the nation. <laughs> yes. It's, well, that's fair enough. Less than America's Next Top Model on Sunday night. That is amazing. It's, this is after the promotion that Bert did where he said that he and Julia's, Julie Zamiro had better chemistry than him and uh, Graham Kennedy. There's no second chances, <laughs> Ross. It's, really? It's a different world out there in television land. That's astounding. That is. That's uh, amazing. This uh, follows, of course, the failure of Burt's Family Feud and the lacklustre ratings of 20 to 1, uh, which has no uh, permanent time slot, just kind of pops up from time to time. Uh, there has been a shitload of uh, <laughs> sniping, basically. A former Nine insider says that uh, ever since Carrie Packard died, Nine has had this strange management style where they're trying to make television without spending any money with all these cheap clip shows that cost nothing to make. The problem is that nobody wants to watch them. Uh, None doesn't need to worry about its opposition. It is now its own worst enemy. Wow. That's, that, that's fascinating. I think, I think hiring Bert is probably the most expensive mistake yep. Nine, yep. Nine could have made. I, there, I still stand by the fact that there were things he could have done. They could have put him in a role that would have really suited him and suited the sort of audience that, that he brings to it. But, Nine just but had they, no, they had no ideas. No, and, and it's not for lack of trying. Because he's been in about a dozen different roles. Yeah. But but it's it's just like they, they have no idea what to do with him. Yeah. Ridiculous. A, a Channel 9 spokeswoman said that uh, Newton's unavailable for comment, but the network had recently renewed his contract and that he enjoys the full support of management. Oh, my God. He's about to get Adam's ass. <laughs> Spe- speaking, speaking of Adam, Adam's ass, on the lot was... Pulled from South African television. Uh, really? The network SABC2. For uh, the, the reasons cited were unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> and that's all they gave. Unforeseen All they gave was unforeseen circumstances. They're not going to show any more of On the Lot. So to our South African listeners. Who could f- tell nobody was going to watch? Well, the thing is, it was actually doing... Not bad in South Africa. It was getting like 1.4 million. <laughs> it was getting better ratings in South Africa than it was in the US. Yeah, but what's the population over there? Well, what's the TV population? I don't know. I don't know. But, but so according to the report I had, it's getting better ratings in South Africa than it is in the US. It's still going on in the US. They're yeah, still there's showing two it. more weeks. I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it finishes on the 25th of August, possibly. Something like that. And, uh, and, and yeah, South African television. Because they, they were showing it pretty much the, the same schedule that we're showing it here. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, almost a, as it goes to air in the yeah. US, and Is it's it on, on Fox here? Eight. Okay, we, we have discussed that on on this show, <laughs> Brett. Uh, and and yeah, pulled it for due to unforeseen circumstances. Mm. And it's not like that time slot just doesn't exist anymore in that in the space time <laughs> continuum. They're they're replacing it with something else. Who knows? <laughs> in uh, news that's bound to make Josh very happy, uh, f- his favourite writer and creator, Alan Ball. He can kiss my ass. American Beauty, one of the best films ever. American Beauty. You uh, can kiss Six my Feet ass. Under. Also by Six Feet Under. Uh, has a new show coming out called True Blood. It's a vampire show and will star Anna Paquin, who um, had her breakthrough role as the little 
kid on the, piano. the piano. And then had her re-breakthrough role in X-Men. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, who, who hasn't been in much because she's been... Uh, uh, she wanted to have a good education and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, I think he's finished school and just returning to acting now. And also, I understand. And at the time, the youngest Oscar winner ever. Yes, I think so. Uh, we'll have to. I don't have any. I don't have any confirmation of that. We'll have to ask the envelope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Maybe Jessica. Because there was that other the- Kiwi chick uh, <laughs> who got nominated for a whale rider. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's not an Oscars show. The. Uh, <laughs> We'll we'll do what, the, what, what? we'll do that in 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 March when when it's time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interesting thing about uh, this Alan Ball show is it's not an Alan Ball created concept. It's based no, on it's a based series on of a, novels. A series of novels, yes. Uh, and still, still sounds like the most tedious piece of crap I could think of. It really does sound awful. And uh, in sorry, no, no, no. I was going to say, and lastly, but you've still got some. Uh, and uh, and. Well, in, in news, mm-hmm. Merv Griffin passed away uh, oh. on Sunday morning in the US. Uh, the man who created Jeopardy also had a, a very mm-hmm. successful uh, talk show uh, scenario going on in the US. This is back in the day. Whose uh, set eventually made it into Kramer's apartment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was he known for hosting? Uh, the, the Merv, Merv Griffin, Griffin show? show. Which was just a chat show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just just like a, a yep. Tonight Show, uh, and uh, but really made his fortune uh, creating Jeopardy, and uh, and also creating the theme music to Jeopardy, which uh, which apparently earned him something like seventy million dollars. Really, uh, he gave up television after a while because he was just earning so much money from Jeopardy. Uh, gave up uh, pretty much producing it and uh, put all of his money into stocks and property, mm-hmm. and uh, became quite the rival of Donald Trump. In the mm. property market. Mm. Uh, he passed away yesterday morning from prostate cancer. Speaking of hosts, uh, Drew Carey's been signed on to host Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in the States. Oh, okay. A millionaire? A, I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Are you sure it uh, it wasn't uh, Price is Right? It's much the I'm same. I'm fairly sure. Because I'd heard, I'd heard Price is Right. I'd heard he was taking over Price is Right. I might duck out while Katrina's in. Okay. And uh, see if I can check that. Uh, no, you know what? The, the listeners can, can look it up on the internet just as easily as you can look it up in the next five minutes. <laughs> and uh, finally in the news, bad uh, bad ratings result last night being Sunday the 12th for Channel 10. They actually came fourth, <gasps> which is shocking. At what time? Overall? Overall. Fourth well, overall. obviously it's been going really well with beat, the worst jobs sort of in the world. Beat, yep. Beaten by 31. <laughs> no, no, not quite. But uh, yeah, beaten by the ABC channels seven, uh, yeah, seven and nine. Uh, this is a this is a terrible result with uh, Idol back in. <gasps> yes, of course. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Of course, next Sunday. And, but seven didn't have anything on. Yeah, they did. They had the final of Grey's Anatomy, and they had before that The Incredibles premiere screening. Okay, which, which is a, a great movie. It's, it's the sort of movie that you could just. You know, flick onto halfway through and exactly. go, oh, I love this film, and just yep. keep watching it's it. A, it's a movie in the mode of uh, the old classic uh, Sunday night fair of uh, the wonderful world of Disney. It, it really mm. is. Yeah, it is. Uh, Sunday night's shaping up as the new battleground, though, uh, with Kath and Kim starting next week mm-hmm. in the 7.30 time slot. And why wait till next week? 60 minutes, dead and buried. 
Kath and Kim, it's all over it. <laughs> 60 Minutes should get canned. Uh, that one's for you, Jim. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, the, the boss of 60 Minutes wants to take over News Cafe at uh, Channel 9. That's the, uh, the News Cafeteria where, where all the journos <laughs> get together and have their, have their coffee. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, it's Pete Smith. They're not really naughty boys. They're just box cutters going about their business. And joining us now in the Box Cutters Radiothon studio, the wonderful Katrina Mathers. Oh, thanks very much. The wonderful Josh. Now, uh, you, you've, you've been on the wedge, been on flip side. Yep. You're currently seen on the wedge as probably most prominently Sandra Sultry. That's right. Yes. How's that? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on this particular show. Yep. We've had a lot to say about the wedge. Mm, I listen sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, very, very little of it positive, I have to say. But, but also, what, what I understand about the wedge is, uh, and I, I've spoken to, to Annie McIntyre, the, the yep. EP. Yep. Uh, and it's it's just it's not aimed at us. We're, no, it's we're not. Really, we're not supposed to like it. And 14, 15 year olds absolutely lick it up they love it well yeah look we've it's not a show that appeals to everyone but the people that it has appealed to have been really loyal to the show or the first series anyway obviously the second series started um just started on air is completely different kind of a tone and i'm yet to sort of see how that's going to sit with a with an audience why take that risk um, well, it's not something that we as cast members really have much of a ch- uh, much choice in. You know, we, we sort of get told what to write and then, you know, you start filming things and suddenly the tone changes and you kind of find out by default that maybe your time slot's moved from a, a family time to a late night thing. And, you know, I think that um, 10 of I mean, I don't know, but I think that 10 really have tried to work out whether we should stay with the young demographic or whether they should sort of push it and get us to try and do something that's a bit more edgy or whatever. I, I really don't know, but you just kind of go with the flow. That, that does seem very strange because, you, yeah, you clearly did have an audience yeah, in, we in your earlier time slot. Well, yeah, we did. Um, I, I look, personally, I, I am surprised. I know, um, you know, I have, I have a MySpace page as Sandra and I actually get a lot of young girls in particular write to me and um, or write to Sandra more correctly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they are really very loyal and it's a very sort of genuine, honest kind of a relationship and I personally don't think that they needed to really go down that kind of late night road um but as i say we don't we don't kind of get a, a choice in that you just you, you you're employed to do a job and so you do it so we, we were talking uh, off air about some of the things that sandra might have to do as the season comes <laughs> on it, it, it gets it gets a little bit raunchy does mm. that uh, you know t- to me it, it would seem upsetting that a show that had some pretty great roles for funny women uh, is now just going down down the track of, of well women just have sex jokes about them and then and then move on does that get annoying um yeah although we're, we're pretty sort of feisty women um in terms of the girls that are on the cast and so we because really? rebel always seems so demure <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um oh and she is she's a very demure sort of quiet retiring type um <laughs> hi rebel if you're listening uh yeah, no, I mean, we you do struggle a little bit because obviously the producers are, are generally all male and um, and it's very hard to sort of explain, I think, generally to uh, to guys why 
for instance, Sandra, you know, I quite like playing the sexy aspect of her, but for me she's playing sexy for herself, for her own amusement. Mm. And that, to me, is fine. I'm happy with that. But the moment somebody says to me, you know, I want you to turn the blokes on, you know, the older kind of middle-aged uh, executives, for example, you kind of, I just feel really icky about it. And it's very hard to try and find the balance so that the humour still works but you're still doing your job and not being a pain in the bum, you know. Well, And, and also it seems to me like the show has succeeded on the characters being the characters and having built built up their, their own personas. Yep. Uh, and now that seems like a, a change, a slight yeah. change in persona. Well, I mean, they've still got a lot of the regular characters back um, and we're going to do a lot of the same kind of thing as well, you know. Um, but they're also looking at what else could the, the regular characters do that's just sort of taking it a, a step further. Um, and, you know, I think we actually, we've seen a fair bit of the material that they're likely to play out in the series. And I actually think a lot of it is better, to be honest. That's that's my honest opinion. Um, it's just it's just a different tone. So it's quite a different, um, it's making it feel like quite a different show. But I think we, you know, a lot of us really like a lot of the new material, new content, new style, um, and, you know, I think generally the production values are probably up a bit and all that kind of stuff. So, Has there been any change in, in the production team that's uh, kind of brought that on? Because that was very noticeable last night. Yeah, look, it's quite a, it's quite a change. It's, um, it's one of those sort of shows because it's been quite a long production period. I mean, we started in, what are we in now, 2007? I think we started in 2005 um, in about October. So, you know, that's a long time to be working on one show. So you, just by the nature of that, you're going to have, um, when you come back to production, certain people aren't available. So how much of it was a deliberate thing for them to try and change it and how much of it was sort of an organic thing, I think they go hand in hand a little bit. You know, you get a new person's available. Um, they're going to come in with their ideas and say, you know, I reckon it needs to be a little bit more like this. And so they kind of get to try things out. And it, if the producers in the network like it, then you encourage to do a bit more. And it just starts moving slowly in another direction. But sometimes they'll be heading in one direction and then kind of come back and say, actually, we want more like this. So you're okay, and everybody you know picks up and starts moving in another direction again. Um, but I think that's the nature of that kind of a show. Look, I could be wrong, as I say. You know, kind of come in and do your do your job and and go home and try and do other things as well. And is there a fairly <laughs> limited kind of pool of uh, sketch comedy performers? Um, you see, you see various kind of familiar faces like Scotty Brennan. I think turned yeah. up in a couple of the, yep. the late episodes last season. Um, no, he, he ended up on, on Comedy Inc. No, but we do have Damien uh, Callanan and yes. Cal Wilson in yep. the series this year. And, of course, they, they were doing Skid House um, a little while ago. So, yeah, look, sometimes they, they tend to kind of – it's a funny thing that seems to happen. Once you work in comedy, you, you seem to wind up on a comedy list. It's quite bizarre because I don't think – well, I certainly never thought of myself as a comic actor. I just – somehow I must have done something that made somebody laugh and they just went, oh, she's a comic actor. You know, I, I almost never get regular drama auditions anymore, which is just sort of one of those things that happens, I guess. Um, but I, I certainly don't feel that there's a, a limited choice um, of people out there doing stuff. I mean, just go and see the stuff at the comedy festival and there are some amazingly talented people out there. There, there are very limited opportunities, though, on television for uh, for comedians and comedy actors, though, wouldn't you say? I mean, you've got this and... and thank God you're here. Thank God you're here, which is you know, funneling one, one people. One gig a year, maybe. Yeah, funneling people from here anyway. So Yeah, I, I suppose there's a difference, too, with um, comic acting and 
being a comedian. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not very funny. If you put Katrina Mavers on, thank God you're here, or Rock Quiz, or, or you know, one of those Spicks and Specs or something, I'd be boring as batshit. I'm not funny like that. I'm just. I don't know. I'm just not. Um, but um, but comic acting, there isn't that much. You know, there's mm-hmm. sort of things like a Catherine Kim or whatever when that's in production, and they tend to go then with people that they've worked with over the years. You will get called in for auditions. Um, but you know, it's the same probably with anything. You know, there's never enough work for everybody that yep. wants the work. Yeah. So you haven't got the call for to be on. Thank God you're here yet. Uh, not not really. I, I think, you know, if I really, really wanted to do it, I could probably put my hand up very okay. firmly in the air and it, mm-hmm. it might be considered. Um, I know Rebel's going back and uh, I think Kate Jenkinson's doing a second one just okay. from our show. So um, I think they would be open to it. But it's – and I would love to do it. Like, you know, sometimes I lie and be going, go on, go on, go on, <laughs> go on, you can. And I just <laughs> – I try and sort of crack a joke at a party just to see how it'll go. And I go, yeah, no. No, what you should no. do, you should should walk into like a uh, a surgery in a hospital or something and start improvising. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the best way to like practice. Do you, yes. do you actually work uh, through through the the comedy writing process with a lot of improvisation or? Oh, when I'm writing, I, I do tend to improvise, mm-hmm. you know, but it's in the safe confines of no one can hear me except yeah. my poor, long-suffering flatmate. Um, it's like you're singing. Yeah. Brett. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll use improvisation definitely because you, yeah. you want to go with that kind of um, impulse of, of it doesn't matter if it makes sense. That's kind of the joy of stuff. Um, and then I'll write it out and then I'll kind of throw it around with people generally and sort of flesh it out from there. But yeah. that is the risk uh, as a star going into something like Thank God You're Here. You could just go in there and become completely dry, have nothing that you can yeah, give to them. Yeah, and but- as, as I say, I, I, I tend, even when you improvise your own stuff, it, it very rarely does your final draft end up like that first improvisation. Um, it just... Yeah, you, you you go back and you rework it, and I mean, I'm I I tend to sort of spend quite a lot of time thinking about where it's going and and why it's supposed to be funny, um, and then I suppose you you try and find a way to make it feel like it's just happening for the first time. But, you know, I guess that's so what we all do. But. Did you um did you come up with the Sandra Sultry character? Yes, sorry everybody. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 honestly, Katrina, you, yeah, do. you dug your own grave there. You don't have to apologise to us. That's... I know she's. Look, but but she took off. Like things. that must no, that yeah, must be that oh, must it was be actually, really exciting. It actually was. You know, when you've got something like that, where else do you put a character like that, really, except in a show like The Wedge? And so it w- really worked for me. But um, I used to do a, a radio series um, um, at ABC, actually, and. Um, I did a newsreader character on that as one of the characters that I did that just over the the series became more and more Sandra-like. And so we sort of played on that, I guess. So whenever you get called in for an audition um, in comedy, they always say, can you impersonate anyone? And, of course, it's just one of those default voices that I could always go into. And when we were auditioning for The Wedge, um, which was quite a complicated process, they got... Uh, you know, big groups of people into a room and um, over a whole weekend of workshops um, and they'd give you sort of 
uh, a scenario and say, um, right, you've got half an hour, off you go, write a sketch and come back and perform it for us. And you're, you're performing it in front of the people that, you, that are also auditioning. So some of them are your peers, some of them you think are funny, some of them are 12 years old and some of them are 40 and, you know, going, <laughs> what in God's name are they really looking for here? And it sounds really close to the process for uh, Big Brother auditions. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Well, so, yeah, we won't uh, look at any similarities beyond that. But, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I put, pulled sort of Sandra out for one of those little impromptu things and um, and apparently they just went, yep, great, well, thank you very much, we'll have that, yeah, yeah. And have you ever met Sandra Scully? No, not no, I haven't. Sandra Sully. Um, Sandra Sully, yeah. Um, no, I just thought for a second, Scully. Now, Scully <laughs> I would like to meet. Um, no, I haven't met her. Um, I know a lot of the producers know her and I've, I've been told that she's a fan, but um, whether that's true but or not, she, I don't she know. She snubbed you at the Logies, didn't she? That's, that's, I didn't that's, even that's go to the Logies. Oh, okay. I didn't even get an invitation to the Logies because uh, Wedge wasn't nominated and we weren't on air, so... They, you know, they're so tight with their list. Surely somebody at Channel Ten's planning like a little scene where you, some somehow to get you both together on air. It was talked about, and um, we I actually wrote a sketch uh, where we play strip poker together, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, it kind of got sent off, and I uh, didn't hear anything more. <laughs> uh, it seems like with sketch comedy. It's it's like the last bastion of the character actor on on television. Goodness, do, does yeah. does that does that make sense to you? I mean, we're, we're seeing in television a lot of kind of realistic characters c- coming out. Nothing where people can have the the affectations or the exaggerations that they that they have in sketch comedy. Am I pulling this out of my ass, or, or does that ring any bells to you? No, I'm just trying to think it through, really, because I'm not sure I can. I, I'm not sure I really know uh, if that's right or not. I'm just trying to think of it, about it. But I suppose um, I'm not even sure how to respond. Let's ask another question, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, say, just say no. Just say no. 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 You're wrong. No, you're I don't wrong know. Again, Josh. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I mean, I, I think there are just that, aren't that many options, but um, you know, it's good to see that you've got Ronnie Johns and um, uh, Double the Fist and things like that. People are taking some risks, at least. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, when, when we did Flipside at the ABC, which was, I think, 2001 or 2002, um, we all talked about, you know, going to other networks and doing if they're interested in other sort of sketch or, or taking it another level. And we were told at the time, no, sketch is dead, no one's interested in sketch. And within a year from there, every single network had a sketch show. So, you know, it's one of those things that just sort of goes Before in your fashion or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah but, but, but one, of those, one of those was the big bite. So yeah. you know, let's, <laughs> let's not talk about that one. But then yeah. uh, another one is, like you mentioned, R- Ronnie Johns. Yeah. And, uh, and Channel 10 had uh, in the one year The B-List, The Wedge and Ronnie Johns. Yeah, yeah, which, fascinating. Which is a, a huge com- commitment from one network. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, we were we were so excited going into the wedge for what we sort of thought they were trying to set up. Um, but I think I don't know what what happens with things like that and and how they um, kind of move from a, a brief that starts out like this and then moves to this and moves to this. We we're talking about before, but um, yeah, I think Ten in particular really wanted the the comedy to work and really wanted to sort of reach that audience. And I think they have to to an extent, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> is Ronnie <laughs> Johns coming things. back? 
Do uh, we know if Ronnie, is Ronnie John's coming back? Do you I, know? I don't think so, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think I heard that uh, Double the Fist are doing some more stuff, though. Okay. I've, yeah, okay. but... Um, Sometimes I'm not sure if I'm asleep when I hear those things and it's just <laughs> my voice talking to, talking to myself. Yeah. So, so the wedge really could be the survivor of the, the 2006, 2007. Yeah, look, it depends, I guess, really on whether people are prepared to go in that new direction with it and whether they like some of the new content and the new characters or not. Um, you know, as I say, I think there's a lot of the material that we feel is much better um, much more, I won't say sophisticated, but it's it's certainly a leap forward on a lot of levels. But the thing that we seem to have lost a bit is the um, the the family stuff. You know, the the old sort of early days of Wedge One that we had. But there's still a bit of it because we we sort of started filming a lot of that stuff. So and there's still a lot of still, kind of classroom set pieces through there, and Adam's Wise, a couple of characters. Yeah, Adam's um, teacher, um, Art Cooney, is still around. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not sure how much of that they filmed in the classroom this series. Uh, I think they got him out and about doing other bits and pieces, yeah. We had a PE teacher one as well. Um, He's got... Footy team coach. The footy coach, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Ernie Bird. So Ernie Bird pops up a couple of times in that sort of little um, mockumentary sort of frame, I suppose, yep. And you're also, this is a, another change because you're doing some stuff live in front of an audience. Yeah. How does yeah. that affect you as a performer? Oh, look, I loved doing the live stuff. I think we all did. It's, um, it can start to feel, not stale, but it's very hard to keep the momentum up when, when you're just constantly out on a, a set or a location and, you know, it's always very tight budget, it's always working very fast and um, there's not a lot of time to get things right. But when, you, you, when you're going to do it live, you have to rehearse it a bit more because they're cutting it with, you know, multi-camera sort of stuff and you can't afford to just go, oh, I stuffed it, sorry, could we go again for whatever reason um, when your audience is in there because it's, it's a live performance. They expect to see a show just as much as you're recording the sketches for the, for the um, end result. So it's a lot more fun and it gave us a lot more... Um, uh, license to play on a different level and actually try and communicate with the audience beyond, you know, just the, the, the crew. Um, so and it, it must fun, be satisfying to get that reaction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, we were really quite um, humbled by the, the audience that turned up. You know, they had placards and they all wanted their autographs and they were really kind of screaming and excited. And when we came out to get introduced and things, they were sort of stamping their feet and, you know, all this wonderful <laughs> stuff. You're just going, really? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I, <laughs> thanks. Oh, so you're shooting at us. But no, it's just kind of overwhelming, really. Are you shooting that uh, <laughs> out at Nona Wadding or Coventry Street? Um, Coventry Street, yep. yeah, yeah. So we only did a few of those. It was sort of a um, a little bit of a last-minute idea, I think. It was something I think they always wanted to do, but, you know, it's a lot more expensive to shoot the live component. And um, so they did sort of one or, two, or perhaps two nights, I think, were a bit of an experiment. It went well, so we did maybe another three or something. And um, so there's some live stuff in this series, but I'm not sure, you know, how much... Will f- will be in across the whole series because they just we just didn't get the opportunity to do that much because it was late in the record. Yeah, Katrina, we've only got uh, about a minute left. Oh, right. Who is your favourite new character on the wedge? Who who should we be watching out for? Who's going to be on lunchboxes this time next year? 
Um, look, my favourite, honestly, is Julie's um, sex pot granny. I really love her. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely got a soft spot for that. There's a very, very surreal thing that Dalen does, um, which I can't even remember his name, Hropti, I think it is, <laughs> which is, in a way, it's almost like a some sort of um, Russian sitcom kind of weird thing. But I love that that was it was a really big, odd character, but it's quite surreal. <laughs> so I guess he'll pop up somewhere. I don't know, you know, beyond about it for what's quite in the series at the moment. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll look out for Hropsy. Hropsy. <laughs> <laughs> as well as, of course, the, the wonderful Sandra Sultry. That's The Wedge, <laughs> which is on... Sunday nights after Rove. So around about 9.35? Yeah, thereabouts, yep. Around about 9.35, Sunday night on Channel 10. Katrina Mathers, thanks so much for coming into Box Cutters. <laughs> Having listened to your show, I'm very surprised I made it in. <laughs> Yay for me. <laughs> and now it's time for the golden age of television. That's better. That's the last time we're going to hear that fabulous theme. I know, it's a little bit sad. It is. The theme and the envelope both going into storage. <laughs> quite, quite frankly, I'm sick of the envelope and its ed- attitude. <laughs> it, thinks, it thinks it runs this show now. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the post-mortem gat. Mm. Golden age of television where... Expect controversy. Controversy oh, is going to abound. There's going to be so much controversy. We tried, with, with golden age of television, uh, we were... Asked a question about uh, if we could list the shows that we thought made up this new, quote, golden age of television. 20 20 or so shows. Yeah. Peter Boxcutter uh, emailed us and said, could you come up with a list? Now, Brett was first cab off the rank. And he named every show <laughs> that he's ever watched no, in no, his no, life. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've, I've got your list here. There are 40 TV shows on your list when it was asked for. Uh, around, around 20. 20. Around True. 20. Uh, but I, I, I think I did add from the prelude last that with, oh, I'm not sure I could uh, cut it down to that, that few. From the, last, from the last 10 years, and I do believe you've got Parker Lewis Can't Lose. <laughs> he does have Parker Lewis oh, Can't Lose. Speak, he's got that, Sesame Street in there. Sesame Street. Which, which, you know, sure, Sesame Street has been on in the last 10 it years. Continues but it has today. not. But it has not been good in the last 10 years. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. I just, just go, <laughs> yes, I'm positive. In the last a, 10 years, Elmo's World started up. Going back a step for a second, um, JFC last week, uh, Link's buddy. Was that Parker Lewis? Link's buddy. That's, no, I, I thought it was, uh, I, you know, I thought it was someone else and I meant to look it up and I... I it'll I tried to, to anyway. look it up, but I was pretty Off sure topic, it was Parker Lewis. And we Lewis. don't have time, Brett. I, I was too busy smashing my head against a wall. It's Ross... Later, we don't have time. <laughs> Get the golden age. So, what we tried to do was build this list and kind of bring a definition by example with uh, with all of these shows. Try to define what the golden age of television was. So, in the last ten years, things that worked to change our appreciation of TV and things that really brought some kind of innovation in style, storytelling, or technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we came up with a list of, of around about 25 shows mm-hmm. and uh, and did them over the last 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. Now I have some quick stats that I'll just throw in here. Please do. 10 of them were comedies. Yes. 13 were drama. Right. 
So we, we had about 23 shows. We only had one Australian show and three UK shows. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, nine of our shows, or nine of the GAT shows were from HBO and 12 in total were from American Cable, which I think shows that that's where the, uh, over the last 10 years, that, that's where really the creative forces have come from. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And, uh, you know, it, summarizing them like that, it is a lot easier to come up with a definition. Mm. But I think something we also worked out through our arguments mm-hmm. uh, during, the, during the process was that there is no steadfast definition. No. Things, things could fall into it, could not fall into it. Uh, it's, it's not a black and white binary system. No, no, it's very much a matter of opinion. And that being uh, said... Whether you agree with the envelope or not. That being said, we have had a number of suggestions for Golden Age of Television, mm-hmm. which have included quite a few suggestions for Twin Peaks. So, so let's hold on a sec. What we, the, the list which we'll put up on the website... In, uh, in the coming days. ...to this show, uh, that's our list of the 23 shows. So we're not putting anything in tonight? Uh, anything that's not in that 23 isn't in the Golden Age? I would, I would say that anything that isn't in that 23 is locked out. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> no. No, Brett's, Brett's got a list of about 200 shows that he's yeah. like. No, no, but, <laughs> but, most, but, but, but most of them he's got on tape and hasn't gotten around to watching yet. let's talk about the most glaring omission from the 23 shows that we talked about. West Wing. Okay. Josh, Where was it? Josh started this uh, trend last week by referring to John from Cincinnati as, as his girlfriend. So, I'm going to follow his lead and, mm. and talk about this like a relationship and say that it's like a relationship that ended badly for me. And so you're gonna, despite you- the fact that there's some obvious gems back there, it's all kind of, I'm oblivious to it from the pain and misery and schmaltz of things like the episode where they all end up outside Donna's house. I serve at the pleasure of the President of the United States of America. God they, bless America. I, Each one of them, one by one. Oh, uh, no, there were, two, there were two episodes like that. One oh, was, really? One was God bless America. One was I serve at the, President of the, at the pleasure of the President of the United States. One was outside Donna's house. One was outside uh, maybe Leo's house or... Uh, it was they were both outside a house, and I'll I'll see you that, and I'll raise you the September eleven Ikmal and uh, 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 Ishmael Ish- episode. <laughs> Isaac, the, Isaac and Ishmael, the emergency awful. one that they made, or yes, yeah, emergency, awful. like they had awful. to get an episode out. Awful. The, it's such and a self-important show. The fact that characters just go in and out, like. Whatever happened to Ainsley Hayes? That pisses me off. Yeah, she was a great character. I t- she was a great character. I tell you she what was a great actor. Her, but people come and go in politics every day. She became a ballistics ex- expert in Miami. That's what <laughs> happened to her. The, the thing but is... You know, you're wiping out around about 170 hours of primo I, television because because they were in a state where they, they, one of their most important co-stars died on them and they had to tie it up in... in yeah, like At you know end, what? You know they, what? I'd, I'd stop happened, watching by that point. It happened. It happened on Cheers. Been done before. The, <laughs> the the thing is, I loved I loved the West Wing. I watched it all the way through. I loved it so much I got off mic a little bit there. The it, it was it was a really enjoyable show. Aaron Sorkin's writing style was fantastic, no doubt about it. It was fantastic in Sports Night. It was almost fantastic in Studio Sixty, but in but in West Wing, 
It really was fantastic. That being said, it was a horribly schmaltzy show with some very low points. A show that when it started did not know what it was. I think through the definition that we've come up with for Golden Age of Television, it doesn't really fit into any criteria other than that it it had its own kind of style in dialogue. Other than that, I don't really think there's much to it. No, but it was the dialogue in it was brilliant. Yeah, but not enough. Not enough to bring it into Golden Age of Television. It's you can't just you have guys are so wrong. you can't just have it one thing. <laughs> so wrong. So I think I think we're I think we're Talk settled. To the envelope because I think, we're I think not... we're settled. It's, it's not in there. there. Well, we don't think it's in, but but clearly Brett thinks it should be there, and clearly the box cutters family think it should be in there. The number of listeners who wrote on the blog saying. West Wing, you've left it out, it should be there. What I'm trying to do here is tell them why they're all wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. There are shows that we love. There are shows that we love. West Wing is one of them. But is it not just a good show? I mean, I love Heroes. I think Heroes does some fantastic things. That's not in the Golden Age. We talked well, about well, it. Well, actually it was. No, no, we talked about <laughs> it. <laughs> we talked about it. But Ross, if you remember that episode, we decided at the end of it... Oh. That it wasn't in. Uh, well, the envelope still thinks it's there. Well, the envelope's wrong. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, the envelope getting uppity. There, uh, there, there are shows, I think Heroes might be the only one, but there were shows, other shows that, that could have been in there but weren't. I think West the, Wing's a very important one. The newsroom you were going to put the in. The newsroom I was, I was going to put in, but it's very hard for me to get hold of it. Mm-hmm. This was a Canadian show that was uh, basically a, about uh, the the workings of a newsroom. It came out at around the same time that Frontline came out, came out here. So like uh, Drop the Dead Donkey? No, because Drop the Dead Donkey was a laugher. This was a comedy, but it was a comedy that had kind of a... I think, I think Frontline started in 94... Yeah, which and excluded it from the which excluded age. it, but I think, the, but the newsroom went on for longer. Right, yeah, uh, and uh, like Sesame Street. <laughs> well, I was going to pick him up on a, I, a. Technically, I don't think but you we, can do we've that. Do, we've done another show that started. Uh, uh, Larry Sanders, I think, started. Yeah, but uh, that that started off the whole Golden Age. There was true. a reason for that. Uh, so but, if you're going to do that, I'll put Seinfeld in. But the thing, the thing with it just scraped in there the last year. <laughs> the thing, the thing with the newsroom was that it was a comedy that slowly developed into a Bergmanesque type scenario and and became very uh self-referential and uh, so like sports night no not like sports night no? okay. sports I'm, night i'm still working through it so uh the it, it actually became uh like a bergman film when i say bergman-esque i mean there were bits in it that you could have just taken out of the seventh seal and and put into uh and put into the newsroom. It was like Family Guy. It was really... No, different. <laughs> D- different again. <laughs> it, it, was, it was really interesting, but, but didn't get in, I think, for, because uh, it didn't actually shape the way that television was made. Uh, didn't have the huge impact that all these other shows that we've talked about have had. A little behind the scenes here. You kept arguing with the envelope every week. Every week, the envelope tried to do the newsroom, and you said, I, I haven't been able to research I, it. I haven't been able to research it. And the envelope <laughs> finally gave up and went, right, well, that's what we go with. Uh, the, the newsroom also had a sequel called More Tears, okay. which was more Bergman, less comedy. Uh, some really depressing bits for a half-hour comedy. <laughs> just just uh, amazing. So, yeah, so the newsroom didn't get in. Okay, uh, I've, got, I've got a few others. Here are some off uh, Brett's list that he was interested in. Uh, homicide Life on the Streets, too early, too early. I think. Oh, uh, I mean, no, it, it, was still, it was still around in 99. Yeah. Uh, but also... But it that's, started in 93. Another, 
And that's another one that lost sight of itself. It wasn't being made then. It was finishing up in the States in 95. Oh, okay. And it's... it, it ran for five seasons. Every season it got less and less like its original self. Okay. So okay. I, I think for, for that reason it doesn't fit. Huff? <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect, Brent. Defend that. The perfect two seasons of television. You guys should check it all out all the way through. Really? And, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. And it's exactly what Josh has been asking for week after week. Family Guy? Family Guy's classic. <laughs> Family guys, you don't you don't have to defend all these. These are things that were on your original list that I thought uh, that yeah, no, the no, ones no. I could find that were in the right time frame that I thought maybe we should mention. Uh, Dexter, yes, yes, okay, yeah. I, I think Dexter- we, we will. Uh, I should also point out we will put Brett's entire list. Yes, on mm. on on mm. as well. I- uh, Scrubs, yep. No. No. <laughs> uh, Boston Legal? Yep. No. And see, these, these are all shows that I really enjoy, but I don't think it's... Doctor Who? Which one? Oh, new ones. It's your list. <laughs> I put that on. You see that list? Yeah. <laughs> this is, I did qualify it saying, oh, it just is something. The thing is, though, it's, it's not a, it's, but it's not a list of just shows that we enjoy. Uh I, I think I think there needs to be you know honest criticism about it. Caprain pointed out the games. Yeah, now the the games is an interesting one. Uh, and it'd was, be interesting to go back and watch it now. Yes, that it's not. It was current. It was very very funny, and and it was very. I, I don't think I think you would lose how how predictively topical it was. How mm. they would do something on the games, and then and the then next it would happen two weeks couple later. Of weeks, it would pop up on the news. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was that was quite amazing, and and just showed the genius of of John Clark and Brian Dore to be able to think through and and predict what was going to happen. You and, know, and it's a tragedy that they're not doing anything beyond a five minute segment each week. Yeah, but also, where's the you know where's the wake from from the games? How has that affected? television comedy in uh, in Australia. Really, people just went... I mean, there was Kat and Kim, which I think John Clark worked on as uh, as script editor, possibly. Okay. Uh, if memory serves correct, and, mm-hmm. and it often doesn't. Uh, but, you know, that's just people giving jobs to, to people they know can, can do the job. Uh, as far as the games, I, I think people went, well, we can't do anything else like that because, you know, John Clark's a genius. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a shame nobody really tried. Yep. Life on Mars? Uh, again, a show that I really enjoy. I don't think did anything... That, uh, that, that outstanding. That it, outstanding. It was, it was a great show. It's a, it's a good show. Very enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I reckon The Riches might get on there, but it's, it's still too early. It's, it's, it's way too early, and you know what? The first couple of episodes of The Riches uh, don't do the rest of the series justice. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and uh, it did. It did take a, a long while to to get going, and it's only had one. It's only season. had the one season, yep. and and yep. even that I couldn't say was anywhere near as the, as near as good as the one perfect season of Friday Night Lights. Uh, Big Love, uh, I think. I think Big Love's heading that way. I think Big Love is different, interesting enough, and different. Yeah, I think again. I think it's it's good. It's a good drama, mm-hmm. but is it doing any of those things uh, in? Innovation in storytelling style. I mean, it's got great actors in it. I don't think we we even mentioned Bruce Dern when we were doing no. our, our discussion of it. Uh, and he's you know he just brings his genius to the screen. Yeah, uh, they've done some great work with that. Uh, you know, if casting alone could could get a show into uh, 
uh, I mean, who, who knew that uh, Bill Paxton wouldn't shit us to tears every week? <laughs> uh, a couple that we got off the uh, off the blog Daily Show. Um, it's a very good topical comedy. That's it. It's a very good news show. Uh, it's not a news show. It's a topical no, comedy. No, but it is. It's, it's news. It's, and and <laughs> oh, I think I think that if you get a show that uh, I can't remember the figures now, but it was some phenomenal uh, percentage of uh, under twenty fives were taking getting all of their news from daily. Yeah, but in the I, don't, States. I don't think that's I don't think that's to the credit of the Daily Show. I think that's to the deficit of the American public. <laughs> well, maybe to the deficit of Fox News and and no, the, no, other, no, no. the other options no, that they I have think, over there. I think I think the fact that okay, they get the idea. Top yeah, Gear. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Top Gear is a fun show. It's fun, <laughs> but what? Really? I like it. I like it. The last couple of weeks when we've done the show on a Sunday, I've enjoyed being able to watch Top Gear on a Monday night. Mm. But they're not, really? making, they're not just, making a car show. They're making art. <laughs> they're not. They're making. They're making a very fun lifestyle show. I, I, I was a little surprised to see this pop up as well. Getaway. <laughs> <laughs> no, get away. Point taken. Twenty-four. Other than the first eight episodes, no. Yeah, first 12 episodes were pretty good. Well, first eight episodes were the only episodes that they actually ran to real time. After episode eight, it stopped running to real time. Did it? Yeah. After episode eight, they started ending the episodes on the hour and starting them on the hour. First eight episodes, they ended them three minutes before the hour. Oh. Uh, and uh, and ran to time that way. Now they're just really throwing times in to the show whenever appropriate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it never really ran to time. I mean, you know, oh, let's drive to the airport. Five minutes later, there it was. A, it was a getting lot, on the plane. It was a lot closer and a lot more realistic in the first eight episodes. There, there were like you know twenty minute series where where Jack Bauer was just driving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Battlestar Galactica uh, again, a show I really enjoy, but it's just a really good drama. I, I never watched it, so I I couldn't say yes on it. Uh, Brand Band of Brothers, interesting one. I that, that is a really interesting one. I I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it either. Neither have I. So. Right. And, and the envelope Although Pacific starts production tomorrow. <laughs> yes, that's uh, true. And, and the envelope, uh, really not a big fan of documentaries for some reason. <laughs> and came up late on the blog during the week. Sex and the City. This I think is a, a very controversial one because uh, it was an HBO series created by Darren Starr, who everyone went, "You what now? Mm-hmm. We we can take you seriously, Mister Mister Nine Hundred Two One Zero Models Inc. Melrose Place. Melrose Place." Uh, but uh, it was it was a very good show. Uh, hit its mark every single time. Uh, really brought sex to the fore on television, which, and, and language, and language as well. I mean, we probably wouldn't be where we are language wise on television without Sex in the City. Yes, uh, and and you know did did strive to confront and and push boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think comes very close. I've thought about this a lot over the last few days and uh and keep seesawing. I can't I can't come to a decision on where I would stand. Uh the obvi- envelope has obviously said no. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, I, I, I really still I still think uh, it maybe maybe it's got like a in the in the 
television sitcom of golden age of television, Sex and the City has uh, the walk-in cameo that everyone applauds and then and then goes off again. <laughs> uh, and finally, we haven't mentioned any uh, reality at all. Which, if you look over the last ten years, reality is a huge thing. But, but it has no value. It has no ongoing value whatsoever. Well, it's got, I, I think, you know what? I think that's no, exactly right. It's got no repeat viewing va- value. That first series of The Amazing Race, you could watch maybe twice. Well, yes, but then, but but uh, you know, a lot of the thing about reality TV is the surprise factor. Yeah, uh, a yep. lot of the it, thing about it, it is very disposable television. Whereas the shows that we talked like about, getting episodes of. Kerry Ann Kennelly on DVD. Yes. I mean, you just you just wouldn't do it. It's the same. I remember they were Maybe selling. Maybe da- Dad for Father's Day. <laughs> I remember they were selling. Uh, yeah, the first series of Survivor when it came out on DVD. Just thinking, why? Who 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 wants to watch it over and over again? And then how many other seasons of Survivor came out on DVD? Ah, that's true. I don't know if any others right. did. The, uh, yeah, I mean, Survivor was such a big cultural phenomenon when it when it that first series it was it was just huge but there's nothing really that, that you're looking at uh that, that you're looking for there's nothing really more to look into there are no extra levels yeah i think one of the things that all of the shows in gat have in common mm-hmm. and maybe this is why heroes doesn't doesn't really fit in so they all have very deep layers to them yep. there's there's a lot that you can get out of them yeah, uh, I also want to say Twin Peaks. A lot of people have mentioned Twin Peaks. Too early, and that's basically it. It's it's too early. Plus, there was such a huge gap between what Twin Peaks did and the follow-on that we saw of it. Really, Northern uh, Exposure was only a year or so afterwards. Yeah, but that was like watered-down version. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm talking about things like The Sopranos. I'm talking about things like Deadwood, mm-hmm. uh, where you have the, such intricate characters. Northern Exposure was light entertainment. Yes, very much so. Uh, so that's where we stand. So that's it, Golden Age of Television. Now it's over to you, dear listener. We want lots and lots of fiery abuse on the tell blog. Us, tell us we're wrong. I've tell told us you enough times. <laughs> yep, tell us we're wrong about West Wing. Brett, tell us we're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> now, people at home, do the same on the blog. But maybe with, uh, with, with more explanation. Yes. You guys wouldn't be able to find your assholes with both hands. Oh, oh. If you what? can't tell that West Wing's not a gat. Oh, why, and, why and, would I want to try to find my asshole with both hands? <laughs> You're welcome to do it in the blog for this week's show, but we will have a special golden age of television post post that you can that we we will list uh, not only the envelopes official listing will list uh, Brett's. Long list of shows. together. And, <laughs> oh my god, it's it's two thirty in the morning. I'll just do this before I go to bed. And um, um and I had a slightly different list of as well that I'll chuck up there. So and, um, and I had a list as well, didn't I? Didn't I email you a list? No, no, no. no. You see, what happened was he asked for a list. Brett named every show he could think of, <laughs> and you leached off my list and just added some things in. Ah, is, is that what is that what I did? <laughs> right. God bless the envelope. <laughs> Are you one of those that follows follows the Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and go down on you. Much like this week's Cure concert, this episode of Box Cutters is going on quite some time. It, it, uh, Who played support for the Cure? No one. They did a full. They did. Set, they so. did a full three hours. Ah, you see, I saw them fifteen years ago, and I kind of thought they were past it then. So, 
I saw them 15 years ago and thought mm. they were kind of past it then. So that something here, I thought they were at the, exactly the same stage. Oh, really? Anyway, this is <laughs> not poor. Friday on my mind. Really? <laughs> Friday I'm in love. Friday I'm in love. That's right. Friday yeah, the, I'm in the love. Easy beats. They, they were past it back in 92. Uh, I don't buy it. Very uh, funny development during the week with the government's workplace relations ads with uh, actor Damien Richardson, who uh, playing a concerned parent uh, in these ads that are trying to reassure young workers that they can't be ripped off and they'll get all of their uh, all of their entitlements built into this legislation. This part of the work choices, uh, yeah, yep, uh, allegedly owes quite a bit of money yes. <laughs> to uh, to young employees that he has apparently ripped off, including his son. Yes, yeah, yeah. But the first one was uh, a guy just watching telly on Sunday night and he said, hey, Dad, that guy that ripped me off's on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think probably the most beautifully ironic part of all this is that the ads are promoting the strength and the uh, speed to act of the workplace ombudsman and the guy who got ripped off went to the workplace ombudsman and got told, well, it'll take weeks or probably even months to get your case heard. So uh, I thought that was uh, that was just beautiful. But uh, leaving that aside for a moment, the, the style of ad is very strange. Uh, I don't know how, if you guys have been watching it closely, but they basically respond to all the the union throw-around lines that the unions have been campaigning on. And they respond with post-it notes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like they kind of say... Slipping them on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this hardly promotes strength, I don't think. Like when they were advertising in the last election, when they were advertising Medicare, they, Medicare was, you know, all steel and rivets and they were making big sounds about... <laughs> Uh, that was strengthening out Medicare. You could tell just by looking at the ads. Look how strong it was. Whereas, whereas post-it notes give the impression of a, like a last-minute add-on that's going to come loose and just fly away. Yep. It, it, it's a, it really is a strange visual thing for Ma- something they're trying to say is, is so firm and in place. Ma- maybe they've got a, a brand-new ultra-strong mucilage that we're not aware of and won't be until the election. Oh, possibly. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was a... Uh, mucilage yeah. for everyone. Did you say mucilage? Mucilage. Is that the glue? That's the sticky stuff. Okay. Yeah, I just think post-it notes are very, very strange yeah, way yeah, to no, advertise I'm this. with you. That's a, that's a really good thing to notice. Mm. That and uh, and the fact that uh, they don't really answer any questions in those ads. Well, no, <laughs> but they, they kind but of... But it's perfectly symbolic of the way that they've just slapped on this workplace ombudsman. Yeah. Right ads of the legislation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they, yeah. Kind of, they kind Maybe of... Maybe it's the ad, ad agency... Taking the piss out of the government. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That would be it's, hilarious. It's, it's just kind of this, you know, like, oh, I heard that my son can get ripped off. Fact. No, they can't. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hardly convincing. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Anyway. It's, yeah, yeah. I, don't I, don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. We really do need a thing for this. I was going to come. I had it at least. When we reviewed uh, Sopranos a couple of weeks ago for Golden Age of Television, I was complaining about the overuse of the frog and the scorpion parable getting played over and over again. Uh, Fry on Futurama had a go (laughs) at his own own one. Uh, This was... This was about thinking ahead. Uh, it's like the story of the grasshopper and the octopus. All year long, the grasshopper kept burying his acorns for winter, while the octopus merged off his girlfriend and watched TV. Then winter came, and the grasshopper died, and the octopus ate all of his acorns. And also, he got a race car. 
Is any of this getting through to you? <laughs> Please later, do not drink the emperor. <laughs> and then in later he says to Leela, go gather your nuts, you nagging grasshopper. <laughs> uh, future- I love that episode so <laughs> Futurama has now become uh, Little Fry's favourite program. Oh. As soon as it gets dark, he, uh, he starts saying, Superama, Superama. <laughs> More Superama, please! <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, but his, his favourite character is Nibbler so far. He's very keen whenever Nibbler comes onto, uh, onto screen, but uh, my wife wasn't at all impressed when I suggested maybe we should have called him Nibbler McQueen instead of Fry McQueen. So, mm. You raise your son wisely, my friend. <laughs> Good evening, viewers. This is Sandra Sultry. I've been playing with my box on the box gutters. Apparently, <laughs> because we announced it... Despite how long this show is running, here is a quick discussion of Mad Men. Uh, Mad Men's a new drama from uh, Matthew Weiner, who was a writer. Weiner. That's <laughs> just the kind of show it's been. <laughs> it really is. Uh, he's a Sopranos. He was a Sopranos EP and uh, writer as well. Uh, it stars Elizabeth Moss as uh, who was Zoe Bartlett in the Out of Golden Age of Television, West Wing. Yes. Uh, and it's Freaking an excellent episode, that one, though. <laughs> she went missing. It's, uh, yeah, that was a great episode, yeah, yeah, actually, the, of the West fir- Wing. The first part. Yeah. The first part, but mm. then the second part when they came back after the summer break. Shit house. Yeah, yeah. Well, John and, Goodman. And then... Freaking old boxer. <laughs> oh, she was just behind a plant. We found her. It's, Everything's okay. Uh, like, it was just that easy. That's, that's, really, that's, re- that's really what it was. That group oh. was holding it. Oh, oh, she's in a shed somewhere. Oh, oh, oh. Hang, hang on a second. I hadn't looked in my left shoe. <laughs> the militia had her. We didn't, we didn't talk about it either, but uh, Channel 9 have a lot to answer for with West Wing. Yes. They, they did a very bad job. And I, I suspect that maybe it might have been in my golden age if, if it hadn't been so uh, ruined by Channel 9, mm-hmm. possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is Mad Men. Are you, uh, saying, are you saying it was sabotaged by Channel 9? Quite possibly. Uh, this is about 1960s advertising execs who apparently uh, they, they all worked on Madison Avenue and uh, self-titled themselves The Mad Men. Uh, have you guys been watching? I, I've seen the first episode. Okay, I've seen the, I've seen the first two now. I think four have gone to air in the states, and possibly one's gone to air here on the movie one. Yeah, network. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when that starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it started already, mm-hmm. but yeah, movie one was showing up surprisingly. I, uh, I I didn't think that much of it after the first episode. I it did pick up a lot with the second episode. Oh really? Yeah, because the first episode seems quite a bit cliched. Yep, yep, and it does kind of revel in that. Uh, in being in the sixties, it's it it kind of revels in its sexism and 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 being pointedly in the sixties as opposed to now. Uh, for example, uh, some kids are playing and one of them's got a bag over their head, a uh, dry cleaning bag over their head, and the mum comes in and says, "Oh, what are you doing? You know, and you're expecting you'll suffocate." Blah blah blah. If you've tipped my the dry cleaning all over the floor, you're going to be in so much trouble. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it, a lot of that seems twee and, and obvious. Mm. And a lot of the other things, that, the themes of it, uh, things that uh, I'd already seen in Billy Wilder's The Apartment mm-hmm. uh, from, from the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was, I'm really wondering where they're going with it. Yeah. Is it going to go any deeper than I, that? I, I did think it, it did pick up a lot in the second episode, and I, and I am intrigued to, to, to keep watching it. I think... Uh, it's an interesting show, and it's good to have something uh, a, a slightly different period piece, and a new show that isn't, you know, a cop show or a, you know, 
run-of-the-mill normal kind of show. And that, that being said, a, a lot of uh, UK shows have already done that, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, Dennis Potter shows. Yep, uh, they've all they they have gone back to the sixties and done. But this is a, yeah, drama. but this is a very specific point and place in time. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. It's also mm-hmm. from uh, a US cable network that hasn't really done no this shows is, before. This is their first branching out into drama, I think. Uh, and so all of that's really interesting. It's it's worth a look, but uh, I wouldn't rave about it. Hey, um, when I cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind box cutters pod cast done pork is on the table i was speaking to a source close to channel 7 daryl summers scenario uh earlier in the week and the your source close to channel 7 daryl summers no no the the channel 7 daryl summers conglomerate of beings. Daryl Summers working for Channel 7, yes. you have a source close to that Close to that group. area, yes. 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 Is, okay. is that clear now? Yes. Uh, who told me that with the whole hey, hey uh, pilot. pilot scenario. Not necessarily hey, hey, but a, a let's nice call it. Variety, let's so. call it hey, hey. You wanted it to be hey, hey, Brett. Let's call it hey, hey. No, no. That was, that was, uh, no, Brett wanted it. I, I was the one who thought it was hey, hey. No, no, but Brett actually wanted it to be hey, hey. That's true. That's, That's you know, it's, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> apparently that whole thing was just thrown up in the air to sweeten the deal for Daryl Summers to re-sign to Channel 7. Well, so I think and, I said, and that 7 had no intention whatsoever. As I think I said... It's uh, rumour. It's rumour. I'm at, saying that. At the time, my source had told me that uh, while he wanted the EP position, he would never get a show up. Yes. Okay. Well, mm. uh, well, that was, you know, somewhat confirmed. Oh. By, by this rumour. So there's two sources. See what you can come back with. Don't know if you guys have seen the latest Virgin ad. They're branching out into internet uh, broadband. And uh, it's a very, very YouTube-influenced ad. It copies off uh, one of the YouTube videos of driving in a car and projecting images up onto the screen, having a projector on top of the car and projecting onto the buildings as you drive past and filming from within the car. Which, um, yeah, very YouTube concept. But uh, interesting that their broadband limits peer-to-peer. Really? Yep, to uh, 64 kilobits per second. Uh, I wonder if this is the way of the future. That's, that's really interesting because a, a, smart, a smart company, and something that would be much like what Virgin did with their mobile phones, mm-hmm. uh, would be to give you, say, unlimited peer-to-peer to other Virgin users. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that that would make a, a lot of sense mm-hmm. so, because that's free. To yeah. Them. Uh, but clearly, no. That's they're not doing that here. They're they're really stifling you. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. It is they, pretty why why do they want to ruin our television? Mm. Yes, I don't know. Because uh, that 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 would also ruin things like Juiced. Yeah. Juiced is peer to peer. Skype mm-hmm. is peer to peer. Yep. That's a, that's a lot of things that they're cutting out. But peer to peer is taking up a large swag of the internet isn't it? It's causing it's more and more traffic and in a short amount of time it will cause major problems with the internet. 
I was reading a while ago. <sighs> you know, but what? it's actually it, a lot better than than everybody logging on to one server over in the states and pulling it down from over there. It, because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it but there's so many local peers. But there's so many people doing it. it it's causing problems. Uh, well, see, that doesn't, the that doesn't make any sense because it's it's sharing the load. I mean, that's okay. the, the nature okay. of peer to peer. Uh, but that, but that is the argument that people are giving. They're saying it's it's ruining the internet. It, no, I think I think what people are discovering is that more people are on the internet now because there are more things that they can do with it because peer to peer scenarios have have opened so much up. And if they mm. don't want to support it, just don't get the freak into it. Mm. Don't don't get into the business if you're not actually going to properly support it. Yep, yep. Uh, speaking of which, Californication we mentioned last week is going to have a two week. Is going to screen here. There's been a lot of fuss about it. Oh, you know, it's screening pretty much when it screens in the states. I, I still don't know why it's screening two weeks late. Like, why not have it on the same day? Uh, probably just you know fitting with Channel 10's programming, um, so they can show more as documentaries up. about Jesus' tomb yeah, or whatever I, it is. I, I don't know when you suddenly sure became a, a Channel 10 programming apologist. No, Brett. I'm not. Uh, but uh, also. Uh, my name is Earl. Is coming back on after Kath and Kim. Um, They've still got several episodes Channel of the last 7, series. Yes, cut it out uh, before it got to the end of the season. But the new episodes in the states start late September, okay. so they may actually go they straight through from the, end, the remainder of the, the last season and into brand new episodes. Okay, I'd be interested to see what you guys think. But I th- personally, I think the horse has bolted. I think they waited too long to do this and now people who are used to downloading will keep downloading and the only way to stop them is it has to screen within a day or a couple of days if they were showing John from Cincinnati two days after it was showing in the States I wouldn't be downloading it and yeah, I'd that's be watching what, whoever's ads it was but that's what I'm saying it has to be within a day or two days two weeks too long but also, also if, if I'm interested in Californication and I'm downloading I will want to download it. I won't want to wait that two weeks so, and so, watch it with ads. So that do they also have to show the pre-screeners as they come up on the tour? <laughs> no, I, I think... Because that's what we've all watched because it hasn't actually come on air. I think things, things like Californication, Californication <laughs> though, there, there are more problems than, than that, though. It's a 30-minute show that Channel 10 are going to try and show in a 30-minute slot. Yep. And, uh, and they're going to have to cut stuff out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another problem with that. I think like they do with the Simpsons, stopping on jokes and yeah. I I, th- I think they they're gonna have to come to terms with the fact that yet yeah, maybe if they're showing a half hour show, it's gonna have to run, uh, you know, thirty five, thirty seven minutes mm. on on TV, and that's where DVRs and PVRs can really come to work in the favour of of the networks. They can say right, well, we can start a show at nine thirty-five because it doesn't make a difference because people are going to watch it when they get home at ten o'clock. Yep. Or they're going yep. to watch it on the Tuesday instead of on the Monday. Yep. I, I think you know. I, I think that the networks are really missing out on a fantastic opportunity here. They don't yep. understand how the environment is changing. Yep. And also, uh, just briefly, uh, my wife's a regular Grey's Anatomy watcher. Obviously, I'm not. She's one of the few left. Uh, yeah, well, apparently. But uh, I was watching a little bit with her, and uh, she was otherwise occupied, so I was skipping the ads. I was outraged when the ad skipper hit five minutes. No. Five minutes of ads, and she said it's regularly four and a half minutes of ads for Grey's Anatomy. That is that. I mean, that alone is why people are downloading. That is just crap beyond belief that, that would be fine if they only had say three episode uh three three ad breaks per, per episode yep yep exactly and that's just disgrace channel seven absolute disgrace that's, that's disgrace anatomy 
<laughs> that is. <laughs> On that note, I think it's time for quiz. Ah, sorry. Oh, you don't even no, have it ready. We don't have a question. We've no, got we a don't win. have a question, question but we still have, the seg- we still have the segment. <laughs> we, we still have the segment. Garrett, are all these going to be about war? No. I've got loads of questions. I've got one on the Suez Canal. I've got one about tennis. Question one. Okay, question three. <laughs> Which Gareth, canal? Are all these going to be about war? No. I've got loads of... I've got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Our question last week was something about what term would you use for describing a network executive who had been poached by another for network? For example, if Alan Boland, Adam Boland, Adam Boland, went to Channel 9, he would be... Sharked. Sharked. Was the answer. Thank you to our, all of our correct entrants. Uh, and but we, we didn't have any incorrect entrance, did no, we? No. No. Everyone listening to the show knows what's going on. Sharked mm. was the answer. And our winner of the Crumpler Thirsty Owl is Joel Berry. Oh, congratulations, Joel. Congratulations, Joel. He, uh, he emailed in with... Actually, he didn't email in. He used the Contact Us link. Really? On the, uh, on the on, site. On the site and, uh, and had the correct answer. Fantastic. But well done to, uh, to everybody else who got the answer correct. And you will have another chance to win next week. Yes. On Box Cutters. Uh, Joel, we'll get in touch with you and get your uh, details and get a Crumpler Thirsty Owl sent out to you. Congratulations. And thanks very much to you, Crumpler for being our giveaway sponsors. Speaking of Crumpler, don't forget that uh, if you want to promote box cutters and go have the chance of winning a uh, Crumpler beanbag for two, um, click on that link to... uh, What does it say on the side there? Uh, Win Crumpler beanbag. Click here. Click Mm. here. Uh, And speaking of uh, of Crumpler giveaways, you can also win uh, some Crumpler giveaways through the 3RRR Radiothon. Uh, which is on right now. You can call them on zero three nine three double eight one zero two seven if you're in Australia. If you're not, six one three nine three double eight one zero two seven, or get onto rrr.org.au to uh, chuck in some cash just to say thanks for being such good friends to Box Cutters. They really do a lot for us here. And you can listen online anywhere in the world uh, to Triple R. It's not like anything else. Uh on the radio anywhere around the world, as far as I know. In case you're unaware, we use their studios to record this podcast each and every week. I also want to say thanks very much to Katrina Mathers for coming in and talking to us oh, about... Oh, that was this episode. That yes, so I know. Long ago. It does, doesn't it? She came and talked to us about the wedge after we had maligned it so much. Bless but, her. But, Bless her and, for coming and in. I say this sincerely. I, having watched last night's double episode, I, it's better than it has been in the past. Okay. Well, it's you know it's it's worth a look in. It's the wedge uh, Sunday night. I think I think better than coming in. Still no luck. Well, with, you know, you, you <laughs> still no luck with getting Ronnie Johns. Actually, <laughs> probably better than Mick Malloy. Brett, uh, and I think I'd go there. A, a 1976 uh, Corona is still better than a Pinto. <laughs> It's a bit of top gear for you. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 98 slash 99. The end. The end. (laughs) 
<laughs> Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Ross McQueen. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful about that. <laughs> Such a long show. I just want to have a bit of a rant, and it's not really television related. So uh, we thought we'd do it as a as a hidden track again. I actually went to the... in case the download wasn't big enough already. <laughs> in case you were trying to fit it on one CD, uh, not as an MP3. Uh, I actually went to the uh, Melbourne International Film Festival yes. during the week. Just finished up last night. Yeah. Uh, now. If, if this is going to involve spoilers for Inland Empire, I'm leaving the room. It, it's No. Okay. What the fuck is wrong with people? Are people just idiots? This is a yes. film festival you would expect to be getting a slightly more Classier cinephile audience yep. than you would at your at just at your general cineplex. Yes, Inland Empire is a long film. Yes, it doesn't make sense. Yes, the screening started half an hour late and we were all in queue and lots of people took the opportunity to go to the bar several times. But for fuck's sake, from about the hour mark on, people were just walking in and out. It was like a procession. Just clump, 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 (laughs) clump, clump, clump down the stairs. Open the door. Like... I swear, for the last two hours of the film, there there was no point when there wasn't somebody in either aisle or going in and out of the door. It was That's, just it was just disgraceful. What is going on with your microphone? I don't know. Every time I get angry, it just it just, <laughs> it just, it just jumps. It's, uh, Ross, this is why this is this is one of the many reasons I stopped going to the film festival. Yeah, uh, it's just I like to go and see films when I'm the only person in in the cinema. That's it. That's it. I, I completely agree. It was, and I think again, were there to bring any, it, fo- any phone answerers? There were people. This is the other thing. There were people opening their phones, thinking, I, I, I don't know. Like the only person who I think is allowed to do this is our UK correspondent or somebody similarly on call. Or a, a doctor. A doctor, for instance. Or- James is allowed to do it because if he has to rush off to a story, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. These idiots who just open their phone and think. Oh, you know, no one can see me do it. And, you know, if you're anywhere behind them, that's all you can see. Just this idiot looking at their screen. God. And this is, like, I understand that. If you're going to see fucking, you know, honey at the, you know, whatever, hey, dandy no, long driving. nothing or, wrong with honey. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going out to Chadston to see something, you know... Then, then you expect to see, to see the Simpsons movie, for instance. Exactly, I'd, I'd expect that in the Simpsons You'd movie. You'd expect it, but going, you know, to the film festival with supposedly enlightened people. I, I just think TV and home cinema has ruined this. I think people can't sit through movies anymore. You know what? I don't think they ever could. Oh, okay. I, I don't. I don't think they ever could. But I, it's worse, don't you think? Now than it uh, used to be. No, I think. I think it's always been that bad. But because now we have more opportunities to to see films in in other scenarios yeah i think uh 
people like you and I expect something different from our cinema experience. We expect something a little bit special from our cinema experience. Yep. But most people, like you said at the start of this rant, are idiots. That's true. That's true. And I have to say, wanting something special, the film itself, very definitely something special. Uh, see, I didn't even want to talk to you about it because I didn't get to see it and I didn't, I didn't want to have... And, 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 and you're not going to get to see because because Dindy films have uh, have taken away its release date and have no plans to plans to screen it in this country as yet. Really? Yeah. What's it about? So, no, it's, it's about <laughs> no, like, it's like, about it's about a woman in trouble. That is, it's about a woman. It's in about trouble. a woman in trouble. That's who's it by? David, David Lynch. Lynch. David oh, okay. Lynch's new film stars yeah. Uh, yeah. stars Laura Dern and uh, Justin Thoreau. I think you and would say his name mm-hmm. is. Uh, it's got Harry Dean standing in and it's got Grace Zabrinsky. Zabrinsky from, uh, who was Laura Palmer's mother, and it's who also was Susan Ross's mother from Seinfeld, and who is now Bill Paxton's mother in, uh, in Big Love. Great, great bit of casting. Uh, and, she, and she was also uh, Laura Dern's mother in, uh, uh, in, in, in Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. No, not, not Blue Velvet. Not, uh, uh, the, the other one, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart, okay. Well, maybe. We need uh, more David Duchovny's uh, looking out for our cinemas. Oh, no, sorry. I, sorry, my mistake. She wasn't Laura Dern's mother. She was Laura Dern's mother's uh, weird, limpy sidekick. Ah, oh, right. Yes, excellent. Yeah, maybe we do need maybe we do need more uh, Californication lookouts. And perhaps we should do another hidden track in weeks to come uh, with Jim Shembury and how he feels about uh, phones and cinema goers. Oh, that sounds, ex- that sounds great. I've, I've been on the email with, uh, with Jim, so uh, try to get him in. Fantastic. And that brings us to the... Oh, no, 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 no. no. We, we've done that. This is a hidden track. <laughs> See you next week.